Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. It's episode number 600, and this week we're going to be looking at a brand new device, not even yet on the market. That's brand new. From Odroid. It is at least 10 times more powerful than a Raspberry Pi 3. We're going to be unboxing it tonight. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the international... Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. I wanted to give it a beat because you're like the International Association. Just felt, like it just felt right. What? Just felt right. Hey, welcome to the show. It's episode 600. 600. 600 weeks of this crazy stuff, folks. Yeah. Oh, you've been putting up with me for that long. 600. Thank I think. You. I, I think. I have been here for like 500 episodes. I don't oh, know. at Wait. least 557 or Maybe, something. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. 600 episodes. 600 episodes of this stuff. Uh, real quick check-in this week on our ad-blocking DNS server from episode number 599. It looks like uh, we have nearly 2 million websites on our block list. It's astonishing that 40.7 percent of our internet traffic is blocked, whether it be advertisements or tracking websites or <gasps> porn. Right. It's all blocked. But 40.7% of our internet traffic has actually been blocked by this new system? That is, that is mind-blowing. I am shocked. In fact, what we're seeing is that for every three requests... Think about this for a second. So looking at the logs, every three requests, one goes out to Microsoft. Oh. I'm sorry, what now? I mean, I've got Linux on most of our computers at home, but uh, the, I guess the, the wow. uh, TV system has Windows. My laptop has Windows 10. One, one quarter of, of every request that has gone out over our network through our new device that we created on episode number 599 is being blocked because it is an ad uh, a tracking system from Microsoft. That is crazy. 40.7% of our traffic is being blocked. Our internet is like super fast all of a sudden. <laughs> It's unbelievable. There's also a bunch of Facebook ads. Um, and in fact, with one single hit to Facebook, 19 domains are blocked. 19. One hit to Facebook. Wow. And I'm looking at the logs and 19. I sat there and I counted twice just to be sure. 19 domains are being blocked with that one query. We're seeing blocks from uh, things like uh, device metrics on Amazon. So I'm shopping on Amazon. Why do they need to know about what device I'm using? Oh, And yes. the metrics thereof. So we're talking like huh. super spy stuff. 
Wow. But that's being blocked by this new device that we created using an Odroid XU4. Of course, this device can be created on any single board computer, including a Raspberry Pi, anything from Pine64, an Asus Tinkerboard, any um, single board computer that you can think of. You can mm -hmm. install the software that we showed you on episode number 599, and you too can block all of these unwanted pieces of content from showing up on your network. That was a great episode, Robbie. Thank you for doing it. Yeah. And, and I'm just shocked at some of the results. Um, an unexpected adverse effect, Sasha, is that some web designers, as conniving as this seems, and I will never do this, so don't worry. Hey, I, I said right, right off the bat on episode 599, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching you how to block ads, and yet I don't charge you for Category 5 technology TV. We're supported by the ads. So if you block the ads, you're basically cutting out that the revenue that we're going to be creating from you watching the show. Mm -hmm. Double-edged sword. I'll never do this, but some folks are doing this. You're seeing that... Now that I've deployed uh, this device on my home network, yeah. we are seeing that some web developers are actually detecting. So they're actually checking if the advertisements that they have served up are being displayed on your computer or not. Oh. And if they're not, it shows a notification to you, which is almost as bad as the advertisement itself. Now, I'll say... Hey, if you block the ads on my website, if you block the ads on my YouTube channel, I can't monetize that. We do this. We, I mentioned this is episode 600. We've been doing this for 600 weeks. Sasha's been here faithfully. I've been here faithfully. Yep. Jeff is here once every <laughs> six months. So often. Whenever he feels like yeah. it. You know, he's, he, he moseys on, on in. He Jeff's schedule. Yeah, you know. it depends if he's, you know, working or just wants to... Go for a walk. Uh, yeah. Whatever. I don't know if what Jeff does. it's haircut day, I don't know. Yeah, haircut <laughs> day is always uh, a big one. But the truth is, is I'll, I'll never show that. Right. I'll never say, hey, you have to enable ads in order to access my website. No. Right. So you could, if you block ads, you could lose out from some web developers. Some web developers are conniving. I call that a little bit It's a little bit on the side of I, I know what they're going through. I know right. that hey, if you block ads, I lose revenue. Mhm. Mm <laughs> but I don't penalize you for that. Right. Come on, I'm a content creator. I understand where this is coming from, but I don't I don't cut you off from my content because you're blocking the ads on my website. I'll trust that maybe you'll become a patron or maybe you'll throw something in the tip jar every now and then or maybe you'll even do some shopping through our Amazon links on our website. Exactly. That helps too. So there, there are all kinds of revenue streams that I can tap into and so hopefully, hopefully each viewer will become a part of one of those. Mm -hmm. But if you want to block ads, I'm not going to penalize you. No, that's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an interesting adverse effect that I didn't expect but that we're seeing, and, I, and I'm getting a lot of messages from my wife who's at home while I'm at work during the day, and she's like, you'll never believe. I was on the, such and such a website, and it blocked my access and said, you have an ad blocker. You need to turn it off. Uh, excuse me? Wow. Next website. That's my response to that. Yeah. That's, that's dirty. So whether you have an ad blocker or not, 
Category 5 is a free service. We are 600 weeks in. That means that for 600 weeks, we've been here. We've been doing this free show. We pride ourselves on being family-friendly, and that means that you can sit down with your kids, and there's nothing on the show, and we really hope that there's nothing on the show that would be uh, anything that, as a parent, you would feel that your kids can't watch. Exactly. That's important to us. Um, and the show is available to you for free by all kinds of mediums, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're watching on our website, Roku, Cody, Plex. Um, we're all over the place. Exactly. We're on Facebook. Facebook as well. We're actually broadcasting live through Facebook. See? Indeed. Yeah. So. It yeah. costs us money. Mm-hmm. And by us, I mean like the organization of Category 5 TV. Right. But of course, we're all volunteers and we do it for free. So where, exactly. does, that, where does that funding come from? Um, and it is ad revenue. Right. And it's also contributions. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. So can I, can I put forth a challenge tonight? Yes. Okay. I have been here for 600 weeks. Yes. I love it. You love it? I love it. You love it? You're yes, in? Yes, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in for another 600 weeks. I'm in for at least another 600 weeks. I, I too. I'm as long for- as this old heart is still yes. a beaten, I will be here, my friends. So for 600 weeks, I've been here. Could you say every single episode of Category 5 that I've done is worth one penny? Yes. One penny. That's it. One cent. Okay. I don't even have pennies here in, cat- in Canada. In Canada. Right. I was going to call it Category 5. <laughs> I'm so all about the Category 5. Maybe In the country our, of Category 5. In the country of Category 5. There have been 600 episodes. If, if you could think that each episode is worth one penny, that is $6 in total for all 12 seasons of Category 5 technology TV. Mm-hmm. And if every single person watching this right now could just say, yeah, I, you know what, I love these guys. I, I love what they're doing. I love the family-friendly nature of this. I love that I can tune in every single week absolutely free. And I would give one penny per episode. One penny. That little copper coin. That's right then just please head on over to donate.category5.tv. If that's you, uh, just throw $6 in the tip jar. And that's a way to say, you know what? Because um, that, that, that's really, a, that's not a lot to ask, right? Like right. A, a penny. I'm just saying, and you might say, well, a penny, that's stupid. Well, no, it says that you are supporting what we're doing and, uh, and you'll throw a penny in the tip jar for every episode that we've done, which is 600 episodes, which is going to cost you $6 today. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Head on over to donate.category5.tv to make that happen. Thank you also to uh, everyone who is supporting Category 5 Technology TV through all the different ways that you can do that. Uh, before we jump into the show this week for episode number 600, I want to remind you, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you can also click on that bell. That will make sure that you get the notifications every time we upload a new episode. Yes. Every time we're live, you're going to get that little ding. That little email, that little notification, the push notification from the YouTube app. It's just going to let you know the Category 5 is raring to go, and we have another great free episode just for you. So make sure you, you follow through with that as well. All right, let's jump into a quick look back. 600 weeks, 600, 600 episodes, episodes of Category 5 technology TV. A lot has happened, Sasha, during that time. So you think about the fact that Category 5 was founded in September 2007. Yes. What could possibly have happened what could have since happened? 2007? And we have been here, ladies and gentlemen, every single week 
since that day, since the day that I sat down and said, okay, we're going to do a live show, we've been here every single week. Not, not in this studio. This is Studio D. Right. So Studio A, B, C, D. We're in our fourth studio. There. The year that we started Category 5 Technology TV, well, it was just me in the first year. Mm-hmm. And Apple CEO of the time, Steve Jobs, right. had just announced... The brand new, revolutionary, what? iPhone? The iPhone. iPhone. The iPhone was brand new, never been heard of before, and about to change our world. We never had smartphones before. Right. And then all of a sudden? All of a sudden. The same year that Category 5 launched was Steve Jobs' announcement that the iPhone was now a thing. The brand new iPhone. Of course, the, uh, the iPod Touch evolved as well. Mm-hmm. They introduced Wi-Fi connectivity to the, iPhone, uh, the iPod Touch. And so that brought a whole new era to the iPod lineup. Right. Because the iPhone was doing so well. So iPod Touch now was a device that was very similar to the iPhone in that uh, you had a touchscreen, internet-connected um, MP3 player, in, in essence, music player. Uh, because you had to have iTunes. And <laughs> so on episode number one, if you had, <laughs> if you had said, I imagine. Yeah, what, what could happen in the next 12 years? Exactly. You would never imagine that we went from like a land of no cell phones to yeah. like. Well, we had cell phones, but, but nothing they like, were a little different than, yeah, they, than they what we know. They weren't as sleek. And so folks are saying, well, what about Android? Well, Android was launched the, the following year. Well, it was announced the following year. We had Google. We had T-Mobile. We had other companies that had come together to announce. Motorola was another one. uh, To announce this brand new open source alternative to the iPhone. This open source operating system called Android. But we still wouldn't see that for another year two years after the uh, iphone came out now we all have what do you yeah what do you, well I've i don't got, have it on me just in I've case got, but, but you have it here yeah well, yeah, I have it's it here. here you carry it with you everywhere it's it revolutionized is. our connectivity our mm-hmm. communication our internet surfing our shopping our camera it's we've got a camera that fits in our pocket this is new since category five started this never was a thing and now everybody has one. Everybody. Very cool. Text messaging. Another way our that, communication was revolutionized since Category 5 started. Right. So if I was part of Episode 1, I may have received a phone call or an email. On a landline. On a landline. <laughs> but text me- messaging kind of like took off. Exactly. It's since tapered off. Yes. But it became, it actually in 2007, at the end of 2007, early 2008, became um, more commonly used than a phone call. Right. So now it's kind of dwindled. Yeah. Well, but now we've got so much connectivity. Exactly. Social media, everything else. Speaking so. of social media, think of Facebook. Right. Right. We saw Facebook's meteoric rise and slight tapering over the past couple of years, but we saw social media take off. It was never a thing before Category 5. Not that Category 5 had anything to do with this. No. But But it was not a thing. It was not a thing. That's how long we've been around. 1.62 billion viewers now. Not a thing when we started. 
almost two billion views. Yeah. Viewers. Like just. But in our users. first year, they they were considered huge with twenty million users. Right. Now one point how many billion? One point six two. And they were higher than that about two years ago, about 1.74. Now it's kind of tapering off. Garby saying the MySpace is no more. Well, MySpace, the very year that we started Category 5 TV, Tom left the company. And it was worth millions of dollars. Mm. Possibly billions at that time. MySpace now, here we are in 2019. It's... Being a sad thing of the past. Exactly. Netflix launched. Netflix. In the time that we've been on the air. Uh, we've seen the way that people watch television, movies, the way that we absorb content right. has completely been revolutionized by things like Netflix, Amazon um, Prime Video, mm -hmm. and, and all the other services that have risen and fallen, but Netflix is still like number one. So like episode number one, if you wanted to watch a movie, would you go rent it? You'd have to. Yes. At Blockbuster. You would leave and go You'd, somewhere. You would bring your you would spouse take, with you. You would take a taxi. <laughs> a taxi. Not an Uber. Because they right. didn't exist yet. Yes. You would take a taxi to the local Blockbuster, which did exist. And hope. Rent a VHS. Hope that they had it in. They had <laughs> Possibly the big wall a DVD. of the new release. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'd have it in. Oh, and they had a great agonize. selection. Like it would be half the, half the date night is like, let's go and let's choose a movie. Let's read the jackets. Let's yeah. choose a movie and bring it home. Those and now you sit down on your couch with Netflix on, and the agony is in so many choices, you don't know what to choose. Yeah, you spend half. <laughs> you spend as much time looking at the jackets. Hulu's another one uh, in America. It's not as big here in Canada. Um, Sling as well, which kind of was like a rise and fall, but didn't mm -hmm. really, I don't know if it's even still a thing. What else? But it's allowed us to cut the cord. Yes. A lot of us have. And there are still some people who are subscribed to the big cable companies, but there are those of us who just... What's, I, say, I had somebody come into the office who uses the, the current version of cable TV, which is a wireless device that uses IPTV. Okay. And I said, how many commercials do you have to sit through? And he's like, well, it's normal. You know, it's a 30 minutes of show for an hour of sitting time. You know, right. like you got to sit but through a half This hour. hour has 22 million minutes. I never, yeah. That's I've, the saying because. I said, I haven't seen a commercial in 10 years. Right. That's just the way things have evolved. It's the way of it. Social media has evolved as well. I mentioned Facebook, Twitter. Twitter. Did Twitter off. exist? Twitter was just an itty bitty baby. And in fact, the year after Category 5 started, they showed up at uh, South by Southwest. And okay. that was the year. So the year after we started was the year that. Twitter really took off because they had like 60,000 tweets a day. But they didn't even call them tweets. They just called them messages because they hadn't they established. They hadn't figured it out They hadn't yet. figured out their branding yet. Wow. So we were pre-Twitter. We were pre-YouTube. I remember when GWG himself was saying, you guys need to upgrade to 16 over 9 because we were pre-widescreen. Right. Category 5 was 4 over 3 when we started this thing. There was no such thing as HD video. Right. That didn't exist yet. <laughs> it didn't exist. Now we have 4K and 8K and virtual reality and augmented reality. Right. All these things didn't exist. You know what we have now? A giggle score. You know what <laughs> we didn't have then? What? 
Single board computers. We didn't even have single board computers. Can you imagine that the computer that I had as a kid was less powerful than this thing? (laughs) The computer that I learned everything that I know on, the computer that I learned to program on, was less powerful than this. It took up my bedroom. (laughs) It was probably everything. Raspberry Pi came out in 2012. Yeah. It's hard to believe it was that recently, but 2012, and they and competitors, if you will, or uprising other single board manufacturers, uh, single board computer manufacturers have risen up. Pine 64. Asus is kind of trying to get in there as well. Mm-hmm. We've, got, um, we've got Odroid from Hard Kernel. We've got a lot of great manufacturers, Banana Pie and Orange Pie and all these other manufacturers coming out. And these things are incredible. Yeah. A complete server. Yeah. With gigabytes, gigabytes of storage in my palm of my hand. Right. That is mind-bending. To you, this might be just normal. This is what, this is what maybe you or your kids have grown up with anyways. Mm-hmm. Let me remind you that the computer that I had was an XT when I was a kid. I started on a VIC-20. The XT was about this big and this big, and it had a big CRT screen. Massive. This has built-in HDMI mini, which outputs HD video from something that fits in the palm of my hand. Wow. And I mentioned CRT monitors from computers. These are the big, remember the deep, big cube-like things? Yes. Those were a thing. Even until Category 5. Did you have one at the beginning? We had a 32-inch CRT TV. That's what, that's what I had at home. A 32-inch mm-hmm. massive CRT TV. So it was deep. It was big. But a couple of years after Category 5... No, I guess probably the year Category 5 launched was the year that the LCD... TV took over the CRT as far as number of sales. Mm -hmm. So that was the year that everything started transitioning from those big clunky boxes to flat screens. But remember, when I was a kid, flat screens were a thing of science fiction. Right. Like Star Trek had flat screens on their desks. Those didn't exist. That wasn't a real thing. Now we look back and you just see it and you think, oh, that's a weird look of the future. But to us... That was what we had that was a huge CRT TV rear projection image onto a glass surface. Those, that's how we watched our TV. And so the flat screen was a, like something from sci-fi. Like, now they have like flat and curved. Like you can get flat curved, and curved TVs. They have roll up and fold up. Yeah, it's, that's bananas. This is all new. Speaking of sci-fi mm-hmm. and sci-fi ideas becoming a reality... You can attest to this. When I was a kid, I just want to slow down a little bit. When I was a kid, we had Virtual Boy. Oh, yes. Virtual Boy was red and black. Not even black and white. Literally, red lines on a black surface that you would wear on your face. Because we didn't have virtual reality, but we had a dream. We had a dream. And when Category 5 Technology TV started up 600 episodes ago, 
there was no such thing as the virtual reality that we can immerse ourselves in these days. Right. You've experienced I've this. Experienced Tell us a little it. bit about how what? virtual reality has changed things over the past five years. Virtual reality. I mean, I, I got the vibe, what, two years ago? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe a year or two. It has changed everything about entertainment. Dave and I, we were on vacation last week in yeah. BC. We were walking through Stanley Park. Stanley Park. And I turned to Dave and I was like, you know what? I bet that this is on Google Maps, which oh, means sure. that I can relive this memory. Like, this isn't just I'm thinking back on it. I'll be able to walk through Stanley Park in virtual yeah. reality. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, it's just a dream. You can go home and if you've had a bad day, put your headset on. You just... I'm just skipping over here because I wanted to grab this. This is a 360-degree virtual reality 4K video camera. Right. So you could take this to Stanley Park with you and take a a picture or a video in virtual reality, 360 view, and then import it to your computer, put it on the Vive, and look around. Yeah. And see what's going on. Like, that's how, like, okay, video, HD video. I said HD video didn't exist. Now virtual reality video, and you say Google Maps? Yes. In VR? In VR. You can actually go to places in the world. You can and teleport, if you will. And walk around. I, I have done it. I, I went to Mexico one Sunday when my mom was just... On the Vive. On the Vive. Unbelievable. I know. She wanted to take me back to where she went on vacation. Wow. See, this is technology that did not exist. It was something out of fantasy, out of sci-fi that now is a real thing. The cloud is another one. We take for granted that... Hey, our off-site backups right. in the cloud. The fact that that computer that now sits in my pocket that is way more powerful than the computer that I had when Category 5 TV started. Mm-hmm. That this is more powerful. That this has artificial intelligence built into it. Think about that for a second. Another thing from sci-fi, my friends. That this has... The cloud. It has the, yeah. It backs connected. up every time I take a picture. Yeah. It's here. It's there. It's everywhere. It's on Discord. It's wherever I want to put it instantly. That wasn't a the, thing. The cloud blows my mind, actually. The cloud is something that sing, uh, small businesses, especially businesses, are really starting to tap into these days. I mentioned the offsite backup. That's a really simplistic idea, but think about collaboration. We've talked about the online office suites and mm-hmm. how the cloud is really revolutionizing that. The online, we used to need an exchange server. No, we don't. Not anymore. We've got online collaboration. We've got online calendaring and sharing and everything else. It's all part of the cloud. That's a technology that, believe it or not, has only been here for like five years. I mean, it had yes. rudimentary introductory, right. you know, people were working on things, but the actual, hey, the cloud is now a thing. This whole interconnected world that we have. So now, okay, so we're at episode 600 now. Yeah. What is episode 1200 going to be? Oh my gosh. I'm not even going to be here. It's just going to be my counterpart. Exactly. My AI counterpart. It's going to be mental. It's going to be amazing. Will Will we have, will we have real money even? Like, 
cryptocurrency. That's another new thing. That's a new thing. That right? didn't exist. That didn't exist. It and was now an it exists, idea. And it's a big it's a big idea and it's a big deal, right? And yeah. now, so now in 600 more episodes. Yeah. But imagine 2009 is when Bitcoin was unveiled. Right. So cryptocurrency, this whole idea behind it. Right. 2009. Now we've been doing Category 5 technology TV since two years before that. Um, and finally, one f- final thing, if I may. Okay. That has changed completely since Category 5 technology TV has started. I have to say, storage. My computer storage is all solid-state hard drives. Right. I I say solid-state hard drives. I know that's an ironic term. Solid-state drives. SSDs. Not hard drives. So the old drives used to have this spinning platter. So They still exist. Yeah. And they have much higher capacity than solid-state, though solid-state is starting to work its way up. But... I understand that, hey, those spinning devices, they have a lot more storage, but they're a little old school in their tech. Right. So the the spinning platter has a needle or a head that hovers above the platter and reads and writes the data. So if it's running, I know this, if it's running and you jostle it, you can just... There goes your failed hard drive. Yeah. But that thing is moving across the the platter of the hard drive. Mm Mm-hmm. At very fast speeds. And it's spinning at 7,200 RPMs. Right. Okay, so that's an average hard drive, like a standard desktop hard drive. But it's quite slow Mm -hmm. because it's a mechanism. It's a mechanical device that's moving back and forth over this thing. It's prone to failure. It's prone to disaster. And the bigger they get, the more platters they have, the more heads they have, the more expensive data recovery becomes. Right. The smaller they are, the less work it is for a data recovery lab to recover data off of them. So the bigger they get, the more difficult they are to recover. The less Sasha-proof they are. (laughs) (laughs) So now solid-state drives are the thing, and it's a microchip. And that is reading and writing all your data. That's where your data is stored. And then to take it one step further is the flash drive, which we didn't have. We did in that I had like a 8-gig drive. Right. Now... Just think about this as one final thought. Here we are in 2019, and even a couple years back, Kingston brought out the two terabyte data traveler. Think about that. Two terabytes of data in your pocket. Right. In a device that fits in your pocket. Two terabytes. Of data. I went and I went and did a, a thing, a, a thing yeah. at the mall. With you went that. to the people, mall. You talked people to people. Were blown people away were like, by "Oh yeah, maybe a gigabyte would be a big drive." Now, two, two terabytes, two, two terabytes, yeah, two thousand gigabytes. I can't believe that. You want to take a look at it? Yeah. Doesn't look a whole lot different from your average USB drive, I guess. Think about how storage has just been. Mm-hmm. just blown up over the past couple of years and certainly since category 5 technology tv had started 600 weeks 600 episodes of technology tv every single week we are here we're doing what we do we love to show you tech we love to show you the things that we're learning and we love to learn along with you with our family friendly show And we appreciate you coming along with us. It's been a fun ride. The past 600, the next 600 are going to be even better because, hey, technology is never going to stop. And it's always going to give us something to talk about. That's true. 
We've got to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at some new tech from Hard Kernel. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. All right, welcome back. We're going to get straight into it. We've got a brand new Odroid single board computer. We were chatting during the break there, and you might see some things flying by. What is that picture? That is something of Robbie from 2007. Episode Hasn't changed much. Yep. <laughs> Maybe put on a couple of pounds and... Your lost glass- the glasses. Yeah, your glasses are gone. So, are you wearing contacts? No, I'm not. I'm just blind as a bat. That's that's ah, a simple. This thing. is why I do the news. Like it's all coming together. Why I'm even here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to jump over to our single board computer unboxing <laughs> zone here, and here is a box that says Odroid. <laughs> and so some of you know, kind of. By looking on the Odroid forums, what is about to occur? This, ladies and gentlemen, is a box containing an Odroid N2. The brand new board from Hard Kernel. The Odroid N2 is a new generation single board computer that's more powerful, more stable, more faster. More faster? Fasterer. Somebody correct me. More. It's more faster than the N1. It's more faster than anything that uh, I think Odroid has brought out just yet. Okay, so this board has the ARM Cortex-A73 CPU cluster. Uh, It also has a dual-core Cortex-A53 cluster with a new generation Mali-G52 GPU. Um, So it's super powerful, six cores. What have I got in the box? I'm getting right in here. Uh, I really want to just dive right in. I've got a USB Wi-Fi dongle. I've got a 16-gigabyte EMMC storage card. And I'm going to just kind of set that aside. Is that cruel of me? Is that cruel? Oh, I can't wait to get into this. It's got 1.8 gigahertz without thermal throttling. Think about that for a second on a single board computer. Oh, what is this? Ah, we've got the US adapter. They were kind enough to think of the fact that I am here in Canada because I'll, I'll bet you. Ah, uh, yeah, the power adapter here is going to need that guy. Let's see here. So what do we have as far as power goes? Let's put that. that? Come on, get on there. (laughs) Somehow, some way, ladies and gentlemen, this bad boy is going to clip on here and give me power. I guarantee you that is the case. But it makes really bad TV to actually demonstrate it for the first time. So do you, just do you want know, me to do you want me to do that? Death gonna plug into this <laughs> and it's gonna allow me to plug that into my wall. This is a 12 volt 
2,000 amp, uh, milliamp, <laughs> 2,000 amp, yeah, right, uh, 2 amp. There we go. Uh, this is the chassis. We've seen something similar to this on the Odroid uh, HC1. Wait a minute. Hmm. This looks really tiny for an N2. I've seen the pictures on their website, and it looks huge. Can it really be that small? This is rhetorical. It's just to because I'm excited. This is a lot smaller than I was expecting. Oh, look at that. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to bring that up to the camera just so you can get a quick little glimpse at the Odroid N2. What do we notice? First of all, these are blue. Mm. Four USB 3.0 full-sized ports. That is perfect. We've got HDMI 4K60 out. We've got gigabit Ethernet. We've got the barrel adapter input. Are you ready for this? This is kind of exciting for those of us who have a lot of bricks laying around. This will take 7.5 volt. This will take, uh, I, I think it's like up to 20 volts. This will take a, like a wide range of adapters. 12 volt, 2 amp is the recommended voltage and amperage, but... Uh, whatever you plug into this is probably going to power it as long as it's 7.5 volts plus. But if you plug in a 9-volt adapter, if you plug in a 15-volt adapter, it's going to power this board, and it's safe to do so. It will automatically down or up step as needed. We've got 40-pin GPIO. For the purists and the developers, we have a GPIO here. We've got uh, IC Infrared. So if we want to use this as an uh, infrared receiver for, say, a set-top box or something like that, we've got EMMC. So this is where our EMMC storage is going to plug in. We've got a flip switch for our SD card versus uh, EMMC booting. We've got an uh, OTG input uh, if we want to plug in an OTG cable. That's USB 2. We've got stereo audio. That's an output. And, of course, we've also got audio on the HDMI digital out. One of the things that you notice with this, as per the HC1, HC2, is that there is no SOC. There is no CPU. There is no central processing unit shown on the board. And that is because, on the flip side, which you cannot see, all right, the SOC is on the bottom of this board. And what that allows... Uh, hard kernel to do is they've created this massive heat sink mm -hmm. this huge aluminum heat sink which feels very cold to the touch is in contact with not only the the soc so the processor itself but also the uh, the ram modules which has four gigabytes of ddr3 or is it dd let me think here for a second It's in contact with those modules anyways. It's going to keep it really, really cool. I, I, I'm cor I stand corrected. This is DDR4 RAM. See, I'm even astonishing myself here, folks. <laughs> it has 4 gigabytes of DDR4 RAM. It's 35% faster RAM than the N1. Uh, way, way faster than the... Uh, than, say, the Raspberry Pi 3. Now, the metrics that are provided by Hardkernel are based on the Raspberry Pi 3 Model B, 
but it's still fair as a comparison. And we can say that the CPU, the performance is 20% faster than the previous generation of this. Um, and the, the heat dissipation is obviously um, going to prevent throttling as well. That's one of the key characteristics here. If we compare this to the Raspberry Pi, the benchmarks of the N2, it absolutely blasts past the Raspberry Pi 3. Um, the dark blue that you see there, that represents the Pi 3. The orange on the right, that's the N2. For those who are curious, the XU4 is the purple bar, and the light blue bar is the N1. GPU performance is 10% faster than the M1, um, so it performs very, very well. RAM performance is easily, easily 10 times faster than the Raspberry Pi 3. It's also available in a 2 gigabyte model, so if you want uh, less RAM, save a little bit of money, you can just go with 2 gigs, uh, depending on your use case. Um, and, uh, and there you have it, folks. Wonderful. Now, I believe there is composite video out of the uh, audio jack as well. That's something I'm being told. There you go. Questions? Comments? Let us know. Let's look at this case here. I'm yeah. quite curious about how this uh, kind of all comes together. So this kind of, th these typically snap together. It came pre-snapped. I'm afraid to break it. There we go. <laughs> okay. So when this is assembled, if this is like the, uh, the home cloud one. Then it slides. Yeah, exactly. And this, it does indeed. It has a little more of a pronounced track than the HomeCloud one, so it's easier to line that up. Not that the HomeCloud one was difficult by any stretch. As I mentioned, though, this is uh, a lot smaller than I was expecting. The pictures really give it that depiction that it's quite large. And I think because we're, we're so used to the Raspberry Pi form factor that when we see all of the stuff that's included on this. We think of this like a micro ATX. Well, it's not, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let me grab a Raspberry Pi 3 Okay. in its case. I don't have one out of its case right now, but I'm just, I just stepped off the camera here just to show you. So form factor-wise, here's a Raspberry Pi 3. It's not much bigger, actually. It's not a whole lot different. Now, it's a bit wider. Mm-hmm. Raspberry Pi 3, USB 2, but 10 over on. 100. Yeah. Odroid N2, 4 USB 3, gigabit. Just saying, 4K 60P, not 4K 60P. Oh. There it is. Beaut. Unboxings make me really want to buy things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump right back over to the set, folks. Look at that. That is awesome. Not yet available to the public. However, I do have an advanced development board because of NEMS Linux. If you uh, aren't familiar with it yet, head on over to NEMSLinux.com, and it's going to be ported to that board. Uh, I'm really excited about this board, though. Um, it is um, currently supported by Ubuntu 18.04, as well as Android. Not too sure on the version on that one. You can check mm -hmm. their forums. Um, also, Maverick has released a preliminary version of Debian Stretch for the uh, N2. Oh. So the software support is coming very, very quickly. 
And I think they've really nailed this one because they are provisioning development units to the development community before they release it to the public, which is a very wise idea. Because what, what tends to happen, and this is what has happened, we've seen this with some other SBC manufacturers, where the boards come out and there isn't yet any software for it. Right. So everybody goes and buys one and then the developers have trouble buying one. And so now the developers, the very people who are going to be releasing software for it, are having trouble getting a hold of the hardware to be able to release the software. And the people who bought it in the first run are saying, I can't get it working. Yeah. Mally doesn't work. Or <laughs> whatever. Me, can I borrow yours? Cause <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. the thing. So Odroid has really hit it with the N2. It's a beautiful looking board, very well manufactured, as you know, uh, with the Odroid systems. The benchmarks are in, and the benchmarks look spectacular. So I'm very excited about that. Is that right? That'll be available April 2019. Does that make sense? It's coming soon, yeah. Like, that's my <clears> birthday. <throat> what? That's my birthday. Oh, my goodness. Dave, add this to her list. That's right. It has 4K list. video output. It would make a great set-top box. It's got uh, infrared, so you can use a remote control to control it. Let's do this. See, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Now that we've said that, the community is going to send you like four of them. That's right. You're like, what do it's I do with happen. all these? Yeah, what do you do with all these? All of a sudden, you're a developer. Check out the uh, Odroid N2 along with their other products in the line. Cat5.tv slash Odroid. Are you ready to head on over to the newsroom? Certainly am. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. MySpace, one of the first online social networks, has apologized after a server migration caused a huge loss of data. There's a critical vulnerability in a model of Fujitsu wireless keyboards that makes it easy for hackers to take full control of connected computers. AI is going to be huge for artists, and the latest demonstration comes from NVIDIA, which has built a prototype software that turns doodles into realistic landscapes. And one of the world's biggest producers of aluminum has been hit by a serious ransomware attack that has shut down its worldwide network, stopped or disrupted plants, and sent IT workers scrambling to return operations to normal. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yaman. Yeah, you're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. well, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. MySpace, one of the first online social networks, has apologized after a server migration caused a huge loss of data. 
A message on its website says that any photos, videos, and audio files updated more than three years ago may no longer be available. There had been complaints going back several months that links to music were no longer working. The platform has waned in popularity since it was founded in 2003, but in its prime it attracted millions of users. In 2006, it was the most visited site in the U.S., beating Google. It was popu a popular platform for sharing new music and has been credited with helping to launch the careers of artists including the Arctic Monkeys and Kate Nash. Quote, as a result of a server migration pro project, any photos, videos, and audio files you updated more than three years ago may no longer be available on or from MySpace, end quote, said the firm in a statement. We apologize for the inconvenience. Andy Bayo, who helped build the Kickstarter crowdfunding site, tweeted that the loss could amount to some 50 million tracks by 14 million artists over that period. He also questioned whether the loss was accidental, saying in a tweet, flagrant incompetence may be bad PR, but it still sounds better than, we can't be bothered with the effort and cost of migrating and hosting 50 million old MP3s. My MySpace was brought, bought by News Corp, in 2005 for 580 million dollars it was sold in 2011 for 35 million dollars to ad targeting oh. firm specific media while it is no longer a major player in the social media field some people who use it still in its prime still use it now as an archive yeah so, ouch do you imagine can you imagine the loss in like like Revenue? I, I bought it for this much, and I'm selling it to you for this much. That's like everyone who bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin when it was worth $30,000. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, it's $1,000. Exactly. Oh, and now Ouch. I am having a bad wow. day. <laughs> who bought MySpace in 2005? I guess it was really huge. Before really? Facebook, before Twitter. Exactly. Yeah. I had a MySpace account because Soul Cleansed. Right. SoulCleansed.com. The, the band. Yeah. Yes. Um, we, we distributed our music on MySpace. But I imagine it's gone now. Well, I believe it would be. I mean, if you were using it as an archive, I'm sorry. Because I just archive no I longer. think anyone who was using MySpace as an archive needed to move on anyways right like maybe it's just uh, there's a bit of nostalgia so it's a bit of a uh that's that's a part of my life from many many years ago so what do people use now instead of myspace anything everything anything yeah so yeah that's why that is why we no longer to answer the question bluntly youtube yeah really yeah i mean who where is vivo youtube yeah. That's it's all yeah, it's it pretty much always YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I mean my my smart TV has its own YouTube already built in. I can watch it. True, but Netflix that's where artists YouTube. get famous. That's where yeah. people make it. I feel like that's where Justin Bieber got famous. I feel like that could be wrong, but it it's might totally be totally true. Is it? Yeah. The rise and fall of Justin Bieber. This week on YouTube. <laughs> Don't know how we got into Justin Bieber. Yeah. He's Canadian? He's Canadian. That was our CanCon um, That's right. little nod. Now we night. can be on CBC. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Didn't mean to make you think about Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> and now, there's... A, okay. 
There's a critical vulnerability in a model of Fujitsu wireless keyboards that makes it easy for hackers to take full control of connected computers. The Fujitsu wireless keyboard set LX901 uses a proprietary 2.4 gigahertz radio communication protocol called wireless USB LP from Cypress Semiconductor. While the keyboard and mouse send input that's protected with the time-tested advanced encryption standard, the USB dongle that accepts the input accepts unencrypted packets as well, as long as they're in the proper format. Researchers with the Germany-based penetration testing firm SYSS developed a proof-of-concept attack that exploits the insecure design. Using a small hardware device, they were able to send commands to the vulnerable Fujitsu keyboard receiver dongles that are within range. The researchers were able to send input of their choice that's automatically funneled to the connected computer. In an advisory published Friday, the researchers warned that they can combine this injection exploit with a replay attack. This allows attackers to record encrypted keystrokes the wireless keyboard sends to the USB dongle receiver. Then the hackers can send the recorded data to the receiver. In the event the hackers record the keystrokes the rightful computer owner uses to unlock the machine, the attackers can later use them to gain access when the computer is locked and unattended. The attack can be carried out by anyone who is within range of an affected keyboard set and takes the time to build the hardware that exploits the replay and injection flaws. Normally, that distance is about 30 feet, but the use of special antennas could extend that range. That leaves the possibility of attacks from hackers in nearby offices or homes. Even though the researchers reported their exploit to Fujitsu back in October, there is currently no known fix for the vulnerabilities. Anyone using the keyboard model should strongly consider replacing it immediately. Yeah, I'll say. So you can be like next door. You can be walking on the street in, in front of a store top. Yeah. How many of us don't use wireless? Right. Right. It's funny, I, I read these news stories um, on my lunch break, <laughs> and I have the only... You're looking at the model of your keyboard. <laughs> I have the only wired keyboard, I think. I think mm. I looked over at the, mm -hmm. at the girl who works beside me. Hers is wireless. I looked into the other office. Hers are... All, oh, like, isn't it convenient? Yeah. A wireless are all convenient. Mine yeah. is plugged in. So if I had a Fujitsu... Just there's no going back. Like you have to replace it. Is that? Yeah, that's kind of how it's looking. If it's taken them this long and there's still not a patch, mm -hmm. so it's not a software thing. It's not something that can be updated. Mm -hmm. So they may just... need to move on. Um, my concern. So we think about the distance of so a wireless keyboard. I mean, this has to be within range of the device in order to communicate with it. Right. Similarly, this Fujitsu keyboard has to be within range of the receiver, the USB receiver. Right. And so does the exploiting hardware. Mm -hmm. So whether it's uh, a Raspberry Pi based device, like some kind of device that is built to be able to intercept and inject right. keyboard commands, it has to be within the range of the receiver as well. So in the news story, they take the approach, the, the original writer took the approach of saying, well, they could use antennas to be further away, but hold on, wait a second, just hold up. These days, we've got SSH, mm -hmm. we've got VNC, we've got 
all kinds of other technologies. And if you're not familiar with those, let me explain. So my exploiting device, mm-hmm. l- this is a hypothetical. So I've got a, an exploiting device that I've created based on a Raspberry Pi, say. So this is okay. a, a little single board computer. So I can put that in your office within 30 feet of your computer, and it can read and write to your keyboard. Okay. I can be in Iqaluit. I can be way down there in Florida, sitting on a beach somewhere, drinking a mojito. Right. Because that's what I would be doing. (laughs) And I could be on my laptop computer or my tablet, and as long as I've got internet, I can connect into that Raspberry Pi, and I can control your computer Mm -hmm. wirelessly through an exploit from a device that I've hidden in the drop ceiling. Right. Or even just like... In the neighboring office, like in the neighboring, because sure, storefronts are so small now. Absolutely. Right? You can just have a space the ne- like next door. Yeah, in a plaza. Right. <laughs> right, side by side. But you think or about- just like on the underside of like the mailbox or something where you wouldn't even think. <laughs> yeah. So think about a legal office or yeah. a government office where, you know, something like this could be easily dropped. I mean, a Raspberry Pi Zero, power that from a battery. Now, this right? story is about Fujitsu. Stick it anywhere. Fujitsu is the keyboard manufacturer that is easily exploited. So if you know that the keyboard is, a, is an affected device. So the fear isn't all wireless keyboards. Not necessarily. Have the others been tested? It shows or an exploit. Just, yeah. Well, it is this particular receiver. Yeah. So there are, There's a possibility that other devices use the same similar semiconductor technology in order to receive data. So is there, I mean, this might be a question that I, it's just a hypothetical, but like sure. I have a Fujitsu keyboard, let's say, oh. and I'm throwing it out and I want to order a new E-waste. keyboard. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm recycling it. Sure. I, how do I know that the one I order is okay if I've just been, like my, my confidence has been co- compromised on wireless technology? Yes. So how do I know? That's the inevitable question. That's the rhetorical question these days. How do I know that when I sign up for such and such online service that my data is not going to be compromised? How do I know that the keyboard I buy is not going to be compromised? How do do you know? So buy wired? Sometimes you can't, right? Like, so maybe just... Is there an answer to that? It is rhetorical in Mm -hmm. many, many ways. But in this particular case, it's just really recognizing the potential for that exploit and realizing that, hey, this could be a bigger thing than you might let on. You might think, hey, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere or my office is well away from every other office. I could have used this in public school. Yeah. Put one of those little devices atop the counseling office and modified my report card if you remove a, the dongle a, a, when mm. you're not using the keyboard <laughs> i wonder what we're that getting helped. really we're getting like, really I'm serious to think, like, what could it i do it would help it would help yes, you so could maybe physically remove the receiver from your computer every time you are not using your keyboard like okay Correct. i want to type put the dongle in does it need and then just then type Take it out yes. again, yeah, bingo, sure. bango. You like maybe. I mean, I'm not saying if you have a Fujitsu, just like buy a new keyboard. Yeah. But perhaps if you're just in love with the idea of a wireless keyboard, think about the things that can be exploited in your keyboard. And that happens to be that little dongle. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's my fix.
<laughs> that's it. your fix. Yeah. But they can still monitor your keystrokes. So they can nice. still catch your credit card information. They can still catch your passwords. Ah. Oh. Right. If they're within the range, if they have one of those exploiting devices within the range. <laughs> it's a tough thing, Sasha. It's tricky, this technology. It's a, I know. I love it, I and then it. I don't as much. <laughs> <laughs> AI is going to be huge for artists, and the latest demonstration comes from NVIDIA, which has built prototype software that turns doodles into realistic landscapes. Using a type of AI model known as generative Ad adversarial network or GAN, the software gives users what NVIDIA is calling a smart paintbrush. This means someone can make a very basic outline of a scene, drawing say a tree on a hill, before filling their rough sketch with natural textures like grass, clouds, forests, or rocks. The results are not quite photorealistic, but they are impressive all the same. This software isn't groundbreaking exactly. Researchers have shown off similar tools in the past, including one from Google that turns doodles into clip art, but it is the most polished demonstration of this concept we've seen to date. The software generates AI landscapes instantly and it's surprisingly intuitive. For example, when a user draws a tree and then a pool of water underneath it, the model adds the tree's reflection to the pool. Wow. I know. Generating fake grass and water is relatively easy for GANs because the visual patterns involved are unstructured. Generating pictures of buildings and furniture by comparison is much trickier and the results are much less realistic and that's because these objects have a logic and structure to them that humans are sensitive to. GANs can overcome this sort of challenge as we've seen with AI generated faces but it does take a lot of extra effort. NVIDIA didn't say if it has any plans to turn the software into an actual product but it suggests that tools like this could help Everyone from architects to urban planners to landscape designers and game developers in the future. NVIDIA's Brian Canzano said it's much easier to brainstorm designs with simple sketches and this technology is able to convert sketches into highly realistic images. Unreal. We've heard about them doing the faces. Right. With AI. With GAN. But now they have... Landscapes too? That is great. If they take these two things and migrate them into a video game. I talked about, when we talked about the GAN faces, mm -hmm. I talked about how that could be something for video games. Imagine now the landscape is GAN-based. The people are GAN-based. Right. Like, I'll never be Bob Ross. I can never paint a really nice oh. landscape. <laughs> the sketches you saw? <laughs> Those are me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, grass? Green paint? <laughs> That's it. But there you go. Just like add textures and bingo bango. You've got mm -hmm. beauty. What could this lead to? I mean, they're obviously experimenting with artificial intelligence, machine learning. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I dare say machine comprehension. Right. So if I draw a circle that is in the color of a rock, that the GAN would then say, that's a rock. And create a rock based on that ah, love it. that's astonishing yeah and even if it's not perfect and maybe it messes up here and there and you know the ears are off kilter sometimes in the facial generation but it's amazing it the technology is. is astonishing and these are really like the baby moments of this technology Doesn't like it feel this like is, that and it's going to just i don't i can't even 
comprehend how great it's going to be because I'm so just jazzed up about the beginning. Like, yeah. you can create faces and textures and landscapes and I mean, you could put on a VR headset and be in a in yeah. a world that in a GAN-based world with people walking around with lopsided ears, but it's okay. But it's okay because you've done good in right. your infancy, GAN. You've done real good. Yeah. Generative adversarial networking. Or so good. games is one thing. Yes. Now. You I know, think therapies. Therapy, like different therapies, or you, you always put the medic, like the kind of like. I feel like because that's, been on that's yeah, that's the most helpful way. I think these technologies. It's got to start with video games. It's got to start. Let's start with video games, Come but then now. it goes into things like artwork. Is another one. Yeah. Really. Real. Um, think about how it could be used to allow um, people to express themselves through artwork. Like, I'm not an artist. I can sketch or whatever. But that's well, maybe it. you are an artist. But maybe it's I just am. that you don't have the ability to totally put your vision there. But yes. they'll help you with that. So the keyboard, so, yeah. the, the Casio keyboard from the 1980s, where I can push one key and a whole chord would play. Right. Is that the equivalent of being able to draw a line and having a whole tree appear? Is that like, I, is this the tool I that's guess. going to allow non-musicians to become musicians and non-artists artists to become artists? Right. Is this the next evolution in its very infancy stage of that artistry? Right. Can you picture just for this moment, like in, you go into your, say, living room and there's this big screen. It's not, and it it's, looks like a picture frame. Mm -hmm. And every day the artwork changes to something that you've drawn. Oh. Oh, well, that would be just a bunch of stick figures. It wouldn't be, but because enter now, exactly. Enter the GAN. Right? So you're having a dinner party, and you want to create a certain vibe for yeah. that. And you paint, you know, I say a winter landscape, because you're serving, you know, huh. a roasted turkey. Could it get to the point where the GAN, this being the, the machine learning system, could actually generate? So think about, remember how we have these... Um, picture frames that are actually a computer screen. Right. And they can generate image slideshows. Yes. What if the GAN could create a picture mm -hmm. and it's always changing and it's always evolving and it's always different based on various, right. uh, various feedback. So whether it's your mood. Or the music Facial recognition says, Robbie's really had a hard day today. Mm -hmm. I can tell that on his face. Facial recognition can do this with machine learning. Right. That's where we're at. So could it now give me uh, a scene that is like a, uh, that is soothing to me? How incredibly manipulative would that be? You come in sour-faced. Maybe yeah. a drone has now dropped off a coffee to you on your way in Perfect. because that happens. Perfect. Um, you come in and... Your face has been recognized as being slightly, you know, anxious, yeah. we'll say, or angry. So your display changes in your artwork and the music comes on to relax you. Like, this is a whole... Like, there you go. Yeah. It just will... The whole thing is interconnected and intertwined. Yeah. That's where we're headed. Oh, that is great. It, and, that this is possible. Yeah. We were talking because this being our 600th episode of Tech TV. Right. And the newsroom to talk about how technology has evolved. And none of this was yeah. anything but science fiction 
when we started Category 5 Technology TV 600 weeks ago. In 600 weeks from now, we'll be talking about how, man, we had that idea. We should, probably should have patented that exact better, idea. Even better. 600 <laughs> weeks from now, they will be saying, remember when this idea was first mentioned on Category 5 Technology <laughs> TV? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> One of the world's biggest producers of aluminum has been hit by a serious ransomware attack that shut down its worldwide network, stopped or disrupted plants, and sent IT workers scrambling to return operations to normal. Norsic Hydro of Norway said the malware first hit computers in the United States on Monday night. By Tuesday morning, the infection had spread to other parts of the company, which operates in 40 countries. Com company officials responded by isolating plants to prevent further spreading. Some plants were temporarily stopped, while others, which had to be kept running continuously, were switched to manual mode when possible. The company's 35,000 employees were instructed to keep computers turned off, but were allowed to use phones and tablets to check email. Chief Financial Officer Evans Kalvik said during a press conference Tuesday, let me be clear, the situation for Norsic Hydro through this is quite severe. The entire worldwide network is down, affecting our production as well as our office operations, end quote. The ransomware that infected Norsic Hydro is known as Locker Goga, which doesn't rely on the use of network traffic or domain name system or command and control servers, traits that allow the ransomware to bypass many network defenses. A sample of the malware was uploaded to VirusTotal from Norway on Tuesday morning, and at the time the malware was first scanned, it was detected by only 17 of 67 biggest AV products. Although this quickly increased once awareness of the Norsic Hydro infection grew. An official with the Norwegian National Security Authority stopped short of confirming Norsic Hydro was infected by Locker Goga, saying only that it was a one of the theories. The majority of the company's plants continue operating normally, but the network shutdown prevents plants from receiving future orders from customers. While the losses at the moment seem minimal, they'll grow over time if automated systems aren't restored. Company IT teams are working to remove the ransomware from infected systems. Once that's done, the team plans to restore lost data using company backups and do not plan to pay the ransom. Norsic Hydro shares traded down about 0.7% following the report of the infection. Aluminum futures on the London Metal Exchange rose in line with other metals. Mm -hmm. So, that could have a huge ripple effect. Because now, this is an infection that wasn't found, I guess, it, by most antivirus, right? Yeah. 17 of 37. And where did it come from? How does it spread without networking? I'm really curious about the underlying technology of this. I'd love to know more. And, and maybe, if we're fortunate, maybe we'll have some light on that. I want to say, oh, well, you should have had this in place. Or you should have. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, they have good backups. So mm -hmm. good job, guys. Well yes. done. Uh, that's key. When it comes to recovering from a ransomware attack, having current, off-site, disconnected, 
untouchable backups that cannot be encrypted by the very ransomware that's infiltrating your network, those backups are key. Yes. And having redundancy on those backups. So multiple backup sets so that, hey, if one is affected or otherwise compromised, mm-hmm. the next one is viable. So they're, they're good on that. Yeah, so they, that's why they're firm on they're not they're not paying the ransom because they know they have yeah, the backups. They've so got their good. backups and they're good. Yeah. CEO said that's eh, good. Backups are good. Just but it takes time. So we got to think of that as as business owners, as people in IT, as those who represent companies. Mm-hmm. We have to think about what is the recovery time from an attack like this. And I've had it come up in discussions with customers who have said, "Oh yeah, we've got backups." And I say, "Okay, you've got a backup." When was the last time you checked on the state of your backup? And they say, well, I don't know. Our IT guy set that up two years ago. Right. And I don't think we've really looked into it since then. And, and here's my advice to them. And I'll share this with you because if you work in IT or if you represent any amount of IT within a company, this is important information. Mm-hmm. What I share with them at that point is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pretend that all the files on your network are gone. I want you to turn off your server. I want you to take what, what you normally access in a day. So your network shares everything on your computer. I want you to shut it down. Do this on a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but I want you to do this. This is key. Do this every year, okay? And recover from that. I want you to then take your backups... So if you've been taking that backup drive home with you, I want you to bring it back to the office and I want you to time yourself. What is it going to take to recover from that? From a catastrophic destruction of all data. It could be a fire. It could be be an explosion. Mm -hmm. It could be a ransomware attack, which is really on par with both of those things. Right. How long is it going to take you to recover? Because a lot of small businesses, and here's my point, a lot of small businesses in the recovery time from a ransomware attack. So even if I have good backups, the time that it takes for me to recover with those backups from a ransomware attack can put me out of business. Right. Hydro is a big company. They'll recover. They have backups. They have a team that will get them back up and running fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But they're going to lose a lot of money. The cost of aluminum is going to go up. Mm-hmm. That's going to line some pockets, but it's also going to cost others. Mm-hmm. The company themselves, they'll be okay. They'll recover, but they're huge. Remember that. 40, so, 40 countries. Right. Right. So they can do this. They can, they can recover from this because they've got the capital. Mm-hmm. They've, got the, they've got the ability to recover from such a thing. A small company, say 100 computers less. Mm-hmm. Now, try to recover from that type of disaster. And if, you are, if, if you're going to find that your backups are going to keep you, to recover from backup is going to take you a week, how will your company fare? Looking, looking at your current contracts, how are you going to be a week from now if you have to reset? So you have to lose that entire week for not just you, but your entire staff, for your entire organization and everything that has happened up to that point. How would you fare? Right. What if it's three weeks? Yeah, if that... Okay. 
And so that's why when, when I ask, hey, what's your recovery process? It, disaster recovery is very important. It's like when we were kids, what did we do? We had a fire exit Exactly. Plan, yeah, right? exactly. It's kind of the tech equivalent to having like a fire drill. Yeah. The fire right. drill, there's a purpose behind that. It's so that we're ready so that if a fire really happens, these little kids know how to get out of the building. Right. And it becomes practiced. So if mm-hmm. you're doing a practice backup, then when the time comes, mm-hmm. you aren't in this state of anxiety. And the first hurdle you encounter, you're like, oh, I'll just pay the ransom. Right. right? You're okay. You're calm. You know what's gonna, you, what it's going to take. You're not going to pay the ransom. You know, you're... The ransom will put you out of business. Yeah. But you hit the nail on the head. It... it it's practice. Mm-hmm. What happens when you practice? Practice makes progress. <laughs> perfect. perfect. I know. <laughs> practice makes perfect. So you will be able to recover and you might even bring down the timeline. So the first couple of times you do it, it takes you a while. Even and then, still. And then eventually you could bring it down. It'll still be a chunk of time. But now you know how to recover with your backup. Can I take it one step further? Yes. Practicing a fire drill. Yes. You know, if, you're, if you've ever been a, a teacher in, in kindergarten, <laughs> you know the practices only get better because you realize which, which students are the ones that you need to carry. Yeah, exactly. That's the kid that is going to drag his heels and, and, and sit down in the corner of the room. Right. Right? You, you learn that, okay, the, the, there's a problem here. We need to address that. Mm-hmm. If with your backups, with your restoration process, you're going to learn... Oh my, our accounting software is not part of the backup. Our PST files on all of our computers that carry all of our contacts, all of our, um, all of our calendars, all of our emails for the last six months are not part of our backup. What? Okay, we need to fix that. So now our practice process becomes disaster prevention. So it takes it to a whole new level, and that whole process now is going to protect us so that if it ever does happen, we can say with confidence, when I say, how are your backups? What's your restoration process? We can say, well, yeah, we went through the, the process. Every six months we do this. Yeah, we've got this. We emulate a disaster recovery situation, and we're, we're good. We've got good backups. We have multi-redundant off-site backups. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. So schedule that in your calendar right now. Get that in your calendar, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's jump right into the cryptocurrency market uh, for this week. Uh, as of March 20th, 2019, this is what things look like on CoinGecko. Uh, Bitcoin, well, basically everything is on its way up. Like we're seeing a, uh, a real growth curve on cryptocurrency. Um, Bitcoin is up $155 US and 28 cents. Uh, so it's sitting at 4000 $22.67. Finally breaking the $4,000 mark. It hasn't in a while. Litecoin is up at $59.95. Ethereum is at $138.08, climbing $6.42 US per coin. It's a smaller coin, so that's acceptable. Uh, Monero, another smaller coin, gained a whopping $4.64. Now, I say a whopping. Its value is $54.25, so that's a really good gain. So that's a good percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stellite, one of the smaller guys, has gained 0.06 ten thousandths of a cent. Now, keep in mind, these are really, really small coins that are really, really easy to mine, and they are sitting at 1.6 ten thousandths of a cent. Turtle coin is the only one that has lost a little bit, uh, losing 0.08 ten thousandths of a cent per coin, and is currently sitting at 0.7 ten thousandths of a cent. 
Remember, the cryptocurrency market never closes and is always volatile. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. We've got to take a really quick break. When we come back, we are going to be uh, presenting a new feature, our award for the, the first ever Maker of the Month. Yes. Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. Welcome back, and prepare yourself for our brand new feature, Maker, Maker of, of the Month. The month, the month. <laughs> yes! Maker of the Month is our opportunity to give shout-out and recognition to people who are making some really cool things DIY style, whether it be Arduino or Raspberry Pi or Odroid or Pine64 or Asus Tinkerboards, whatever they're doing, it's probably going to involve a GPIO or some kind of resistor of some sort. Mm -hmm. But uh, this week we are this going to be celebrating. So the first ever Maker of the Month award goes to Alex Bate, who created a Raspberry Pi-powered picture frame. Oh, yeah. Can I bring this up? Yes. A Raspberry Pi-powered picture, picture frame. frame. Okay, enough said. We've already, we've already seen those done. It's a Raspberry Pi picture frame. We've seen those. What's unique about this, Sasha? Taps into IBM Watson's facial recognition and only displays pictures of her niece and nephew. Okay. Are you folks... Are you kidding me? Alex has created a photo frame using a Raspberry Pi that taps into AI, facial recognition, goes on to Instagram, finds pictures of her niece and nephew, and, and only displays them in the picture frame. That is genius. Brilliant. Alex, you rock. Alex, way to go. You are our first ever maker of the month. Y'all can read about Alex's project, learn how she did it at cat5.tv slash maker zero zero one. That is great. First maker. First maker. That is brilliant. I love that project. Thank you to those who have pitched in uh, and supported Category 5 Technology TV this week. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. We do need to replace our server, and we, we really, at this point, covet your, uh, your contributions, and we appreciate it so very much. We've got a dying broadcast server, and it is on its way out. Uh, we've got to raise a lot of money over the next two months, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you've heard me say it. I just 
you want to express it again without getting into too many details, but we appreciate those of you who have pitched in. Our patrons, thank you so much. Um, you can find out more at uh, patreon.com slash category five. It's a great way to support us because you just throw a little something, whatever you want. It can be a dollar a month. It can be $20 a month, whatever you're comfortable with. It's a way to contribute to category five on an ongoing basis. And you get some perks along with that. I love Patreon for that. It's not a perfect platform, but it gives us a way to be able to provide content that you are getting exclusively as a supporter of Category 5 TV. And we really do appreciate what they do there at Patreon. Uh, you have a Data Traveler 2000. I do. I do too. Yes. I've been finding that I'm using this more and more. Yes. And I love the fact that it's encrypted. So I feel really confident when I'm using it. This is keeping my data, my customer data, safe. Right. And only I can view it. I love that. I've got one of these to give away. Uh, make sure you can get your ballot in. Qualify for this. Do you want to tell them how to do it? Do I? Do you know how? Okay, so you go to contest at category5.tv. Send an email. Right, send Can't an email. Can't go there. It's not a place. That's right. Sorry. <laughs> send an email. Category 5. Contest at category5.tv. So the subject line has to be Kingston giveaway. And yeah, that's it. That's it. That's let it, us let it. us know your name and where you're from, exactly. and uh, and we'll cast your ballot. We do have a couple more of these to give away. They're 64 gigs. They are Data Traveler 2000s. Find out more at cat5.tv/dt2000. And I'd encourage you to check out that uh, that link because you're going to learn about a really really cool device. We're on Twitter at Category 5 TV. Uh, I'm personally on Twitter at Robbie Ferguson. Please follow me and I will follow you back. Uh, we're on YouTube at Category 5 TV. Or if you prefer to watch edited down versions of Category 5, you can check out our other channel, our daughter channel, if you will. It's called Linux Tech Show. And I've got a nice little easy way to get there by just simply going to linuxtechshow.com. And that will reroute you to our YouTube channel where we've edited down all the features from Category 5 into nice little edible snippets. <laughs> Makes it a lot easier to consume. You can also uh, visit us on Plex or Kodi. You can get mm -hmm. those channels if you want to add those to your devices. Get them on our GitHub at github.com slash cat5tv. And of course, our main website brings everything together in one happy little place. You can visit us at category5.tv. Don't forget to like subscribe and uh, click that bell on YouTube and we will see you again next week. Take care, everybody.